After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen. Well, good morning. How are you? Happy Easter. So glad to have you. If you're joining us online, welcome. You are a part of our Easter service, and we're glad that you're joining us. Yeah, it's a great day. I love Easter. It's a great day to remember the significance of Easter. Now, not everybody knows what Easter is all about, but I want to talk to you a little bit about that because I think it's important. You hit Easter, and uh, in, in, in the world, Easter is mostly about a bunny, you know, and eggs. Now, I'm not sure how eggs and a bunny go together, but, you know, we, we have a bunny here just for them, you know, and eggs for the kids and all, but it's really, there's a lot more to it than that. You know, it's really a, a big part of it is about change, about changing things in our lives, especially things that uh, we're not so good at changing things at. You know, sometimes we have tough scenarios that come at us. Uh, maybe you had the worst year you've ever had or the worst last two years you've ever had. I don't have to guess too hard on that one with all of the crazy things that's been going on in the world. But you know, God can turn that stuff around. And that's really the message of, G of Easter. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, he came, he lived a perfect life. He ended up being crucified on the cross for our sins, but then it didn't stop there. He was raised from the dead. That's the big change. And the power that God offers in that situation, that happened there, he offers to you and to me. Let's look at a couple verses. One is, is, if we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son, Jesus Christ. In other words, he's not mad at you anymore. That's the good news of Easter, that we can be fr on friendly terms with God. And think of how our lives will be expanded and deepened by means of his resurrected life. This is a great description of Easter. I mean, what happened on the cross? We're at peace with God. We're friends with God. And now we have the resurrected power. Now, you might be here and you might be thinking, eh, I'm, not, I'm not really the religious type. Right? I don't really go to church very much or synagogue or the mosque or whatever your religious background is. But the good news is that, you know, Jesus came for religious outsiders. He actually did. Look at what the Bible says. It says, Jesus says, I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders, an invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. That's God's invitation. That's what Easter is about. For you, if you're an outsider, if you're not really a religious person, you're not really a church person, this holiday is for you. That's what Easter's about, about having a changed life. And, you know, I think all of us have room for improvement. All of us can improve a little bit, right? No matter how good you are. You know, this was the year that Tom Brady retired, right? So if you... <laughs> 
He retired and uh, caught everybody off guard. I was on to it. I was thinking, no way. And then they started throwing around, yeah, but it's for his wife and his kids. And I started, I, I, I got sucked into it a little bit. Well, yeah, the, I guess if he wants to spend time more with his kids and all, I mean, I don't know. But, but uh, he, re- well, you know, Brady was not always amazing. I don't know if you know his story, but he was picked 199th in the draft. Six-round draft pick. I mean, he was, nobody thought he had very much, you know, going for him at all. He didn't play right away. He had to wait for the quarterback that was playing with the Patriots to get injured. Then he came in, and he just better and better and better. And, uh, of course, you know, they had six Super Bowls that they won with the Patriots. And he could have retired at that point. Of course, he goes to with the Buccaneers and wins another Super Bowl. He's running out of fingers. That's his big. That's one of his big challenges. Is I only have ten fingers. What am I going to do? And then, of course, he retires. And then he comes back and he says, "You know, I have unfinished business. There's I can do even better." He was good, right? I mean, most people consider him the goat, <laughs> greatest of all time. Just because he's just so phenomenal and good under pressure. And, but he's still developing his game. He's doing better in the pocket. He's, doing, he, he's never been this great long pass guy. But I mean, just every part of his game. He did better last year in his stats than he's ever done. And so he continues to improve. You know what? The message of that to me is there's always room for improvement. No matter how good you are, and you might be good. You might say, hey, I, I have a good job, a good career. I've worked hard. I, 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 you know, I have a good uh, married life. I have good kids. I have a good education. Life is good. I take good vacations. And, uh, but there's room for improvement. And I don't doubt that. Many of you, I believe, are good. You're nice people. You're doing a, you're, you're doing the, a great job in life. But Easter is a message about you doing even better. You doing even better. Now, I mean, for most of us, there's areas for growth like with our health. And people try to capitalize on that. There's all kinds of ads for us to uh, improve our physique. You know, there's, there's different training things that you can buy. I was, you know, on TV, you know, Jennifer Aniston has one. Chris Pratt has one. Zac Efron. Even Kate Middleton, you know, the princess of the UK wants to change me, you know? But the, but the problem is that changing on the outside doesn't really make the changes I really want on the inside. This past week, I was at Starbucks, and uh, just the one right up here, and, and the barista had some, her hair was noticeable. I mean, it was pink and had blue, and it was, actually, it was like pigtails with rainbow colors. And then, and then the roots were all pink, and it was, it was notable, so I just said, hey, that's, I like your hair. And she goes, oh, this is my, this is my divorced look. <laughs> I said, oh, so that's, that's to symbolize your new start. She nods, you bet. But listen, you can change your dress. You can change your car, your house, your neighborhood, your hair, your clothes. It doesn't necessarily mean there's a change inside. How do we become a better person? That's the message of Easter. Well, you become a better person by three ways. Look at that. Number one is, is open your mind to God's power. Open your mind. And that begins with changing the way that you think. Changing the way you think. The Bible says, let God transform you into a new person. How? 
by changing the way you think. God always begins on the inside, and it begins with changing the way we think. Now, changing the way you think about God's power, is not, it doesn't mean you try harder. New Year's resolutions in general don't last more than about two weeks. Why? Because it's based on just willpower. I'm going to just try to do it myself. No, changing the way we think, changing our mind about God's power is recognizing uh, God exists. That's obviously a good start. But not only that he exists, but that he has power and that he wants to help you. He wants to give you power. This is what it means to be open-minded about God and his power. A lot of people, they think they're open-minded, but they're really not. I've talked to hundreds, I've talked to thousands of people over the year, and they think they're open-minded, but when you start talking to them, they'll, they'll say, well, you know, doesn't the Bible say God helps those who help themselves? Well, he do- actually, the Bible doesn't say that. It's Ben Franklin. <laughs> ben Franklin's a good guy. I like Ben. But let's not give him too much credit. That was work, you know, I mean, that, we do want to work hard. Many of us have. But that's not relying on God's power. The Bible actually says God's power comes to those who recognize they need his power and ask God for his power. The Bible says many are far from the life of God. They have shut their minds against him. They cannot understand his ways. So how do we, So how, what happens when we shut our mind? Well, we lack understanding. We don't see the possibility. We start thinking all in terms of what I can accomplish instead of what God can accomplish through me. Why would we close our minds to God? Well, there's a few reasons. One is is just out of hurt. Sometimes we get hurt by somebody who represents God, you know, a church person or a churchy type person, some religious person. And then we get angry and we think, oh, I don't want to be, you know, and we, well, if if that's how they are, then I don't want to, I'm not going to be close to God. That doesn't really make sense. But that's, it often happens with hurt. Pride, I just want to do it on my own. We just feel good about it. We, feel, we, like, we like it when it's all about me, my choices, and my effort. Also fear. You know, hey, if I become a, a follower of God, does that mean I become a fanatic? Some weirdo, you know? Maybe, you know, maybe you've met, maybe you know people like that. I know for me, when I, before I, I gave my life to Christ, there were some people that were friends of mine that were not believe they were not believers and then became believers and some of them they became weirdos they 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 were like nutcases and i thought there's one guy he he my buddy he showed up shaved head all this and i said what in the world didn't and he goes i'm a i'm a christian now i thought i'll never be one of those (laughs) no i did because he you know he's just odd now you know and so that becomes a fear thing you know, I can't do that because I don't know what God will do to me. Look at what the Bible says. It says, I pray that you'll begin to understand how incredibly great God's power is to help those who believe him. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Again, we're looking at what Easter is about. He says, the power that raised Christ from the dead you need to have understanding that God wants to help you. He wants you to have that power, that power in your relationships. You heard earlier Anna talk about the new series we're going to start next Sunday, Achieving Relational Sanity. And almost all of us have relationships that uh, are underperforming or not doing as well as we'd like. And so when we look to what God says about that and we start to use that, 
it starts to transform our relationships. So you'll certainly want to be there for that. But God's power, you are designed to operate with God's power in your life. You're underachieving, no matter how much you've achieved, you're underachieving, you're not doing your very best the way God designed you to be if you don't rely on God's power. This uh, professor, uh, a physics professor from the University of Texas, Deandra Leslie Peckley, wrote a book on the physics of NASCAR driving. And so in the book, she convinced them that she really needed to drive a NASCAR, which is probably the reason she wrote the book all along, because who wouldn't want to do that? And so she got a chance to drive solo. Of course, the driver, the professional driver was in the passenger seat. Uh, and so she was driving us around the 1.5 mile track at Texas Motor uh, Speedway. And she got up to speeds of 150 miles an hour Loving it. But she said it was interesting that when she was only going like 100 miles an hour, that it actually didn't respond well. It was kind of clunky and uh, it didn't work well. And it was, so the solution was not go slower, but to go faster. Those cars are meant to blister the asphalt. And it means to go all in. That's what it means to have God's power in your life. That you, you might be going 100 miles an hour, but things still aren't working all that well. The, the, the solution to that is add God's power into your life. Add God's power. So open your mind to God's power. Number two, open your heart to God's grace. God's grace is, God's grace is amazing. It's actually a multifaceted concept. God's grace is that he gives us what we need and not what we deserve. God's grace means that he forgives us even before we ask. God's grace is that he is not mad at you and that he gives you a second chance. God's grace is that he gives you a third chance, a fourth chance, a hundredth chance, a thousandth chance. That's God's grace. Now, we don't normally experience a lot of grace from from other people, right? We, we, We dry up pretty quick with God's grace. David Hagler, who was a referee and an umpire, and now writes for the LA Times, back when he was still an umpire, uh, here's what he said. Uh, he said, I was driving too fast in the snow one day in Boulder, Colorado, when a policeman pulled me over and gave me a speeding ticket. I tried to talk him out of it by telling him how worried I was about the insurance going up and what a careful driver I normally was. I begged him for grace. I begged him. But he said, if I didn't like it, I could go to court. He says, the first game of the next baseball season, I was umpiring behind home plate, and the first batter up was that same policeman. (laughs) I recognized him, and he recognized me. He nervously asked me, how did things go with your ticket? I just stared at him. Then I told him, swing at everything. (laughs) I love that. I mean, that's usually how it goes for us, right? We don't get a lot of grace from one another. You know, you do me bad, I do you bad. But God's grace is different. God's grace is 24-7. That's why God's grace is a gift. It's a gift to you. It's not something that I earn. In fact, I can't earn it. Here's what the Bible says. It says, God has showered upon us the riches of his grace, for he understands us and knows what is best for us at all times. He understands you. 
He understands me. I can't, I don't even understand me. I don't know half the, why I do half the things I do. I'm, and, you know, you'd think I'd, I'd figure it out by now. I'm 59. I'm still thinking, who are you? Why did you say that? God understands us. He understands people's motives. And here's the amazing thing about grace is, is with all of the things we do, the good, the bad, the ugly, the things that embarrass us, the things that we wish we could hide, wish we could go back and change, the things that we're ashamed of, he knew about every one of those things before you did them and still showers his grace upon you, still loves you. Nobody else might know about it. You think that you, you know, you've got, you, you, it's behind you, but God knows and he goes, but I want to show you my grace. That's how we can fully live. God says he will accept us, acquit us, declare us not guilty for all the things we've done in life. And this is uh, from the Bible in Romans 3. He says, if what? Certainly I want that. I want acceptance, acquittance, declared not guilty. All the, if we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sins and we can all be saved in the same way by coming to Christ, by working hard, by earning it, no, no matter who we are or what we have been like, that's God's grace. And we've all made mistakes. I mean, we just, because life is challenging for one thing. And so we dropped the ball. A guy named Charlie Shedd, he was a, him and his wife used to travel around speaking on parenting and marriage. He's written several books. And before they had kids, he would travel around doing a seminar called the 10 Commandments for Raising Perfect Kids. Then they had a kid. So he had to modify it, and he also changed the title to 10 Hints for Parents. Then he had another kid. Then they changed the title to A Few Tentative Suggestions for Fellow Strugglers. Then he had another kid. He just said, we quit speaking on it. Why? Because life is challenging, and we all make mistakes. And just being honest about that, and being honest about that before God is how we receive his uh, grace in our life, his amazing grace. Saving is all God's idea and all God's work. All we do is trust him enough to let, us, to, to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. You'll never earn God's grace. You'll never deserve it. You'll never be good enough. You certainly can't buy it. You humbly accept it. That's what it means to receive God's grace in your life. God gives grace to the humble. So let God's work, let his, his, God's work, his will in you. Say a quiet, yes, that's my prayer for you. That's been my prayer for you all week. That today you would say a quiet yes to God's grace. I want that in my life. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there for you in no time. Things change when we accept God's grace. When we let God's grace change our lives. I want you to hear the story of a young woman in our church. She had an encounter with God, discovered his power, discovered his grace, and how it changed her life. And I'd like you to hear her story. Watch this. Hey guys, my name is Natasha, and I would like to briefly share some of my testimony with you. While childhood certainly had many good aspects to it, it had painful events that really began a lot of dark times for me. One of those painful childhood events that happened to me when I was abused by an extended family member when I was just a young girl. 
In addition, my father's long absences from our family caused me deep amount of fears and abandonment. These two circumstances that happened, along with others, caused me significant emotional struggles in my life. When I was eight years old, my parents divorced. This shattered my world. I ended up blaming my father for leaving our family and for causing me an extreme fear of abandonment. Consequently, I was really angry with him for years. The neglect and divorce also took a toll on my mom, and she began exhibiting some self-destructive behaviors, which only led to my emotional disconnect. When I was 12 years old, my mom decided to relocate our family. We moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. It was there that the self-hate, fear of abandonment that I had struggled with exploded into self-destructive behaviors. For the next five years, I devalued my body severely. I started hanging out with men three times my age, doing hard drugs. Several times I was so wasted that I was unable to move my entire body. Multiple times I faced life-threatening situations with really sketchy men. What I was doing to my physical body was just an outlet for all the turmoil that was happening emotionally and mentally, one of those being struggling with severe depression. Because of my depression at 16, I dropped out of public high school. And thankfully, my mom intervened on my behalf. She paid for me to homeschool myself online. While I was homeschooling, I started dating this guy named Preston. I tried to start making better decisions. I was able to get a management job at a children's fitness center, and I also started working out, eating healthier, and even started going to church some. What I didn't know then was that God was deeply after my heart in the midst of all of this. And it was around this time that God found his way into my life. One afternoon while hanging out at my mom's house, my boyfriend and I got into an intense argument and I asked him to leave. He left the house and went to a nearby Starbucks where he ran into a friend who invited us over to her house for a meal and to pray and worship God. He immediately called me and said, Natasha, we have to go. And we both knew that we needed something positive to change in our relationship. He said we needed more of Jesus. So I willingly went. I kept a pretty low profile, but yet remembering when I walked into that house, I felt the presence of the Lord so much. It felt like I was left for the first time in my life and that there was peace in that home. About a week later, I was invited to another home gathering. And when it came to the introductions, they went around and asked everyone what their names were and what they were most thankful for. And the Holy Spirit gave me a vision of one of the lowest moments in my life. I was being horribly victimized and in that moment, I saw Jesus crying, standing next to me saying, I was with you even then, and I was constant in your life even then. When I saw this vision God showed me, I couldn't stop crying. I was sobbing so much that I couldn't even introduce myself to all of those people. Then surprisingly, out of my mouth came, God loved me even when I sucked. And then I said, I'm not sure what's going on here, but I'm giving my whole life to Jesus. And that night, I decided to give my life to Jesus. Everything from that moment on began to change. Internally, I felt completely different, as if I was clean, I felt born again. But what I discovered was externally that it was a process. And I also began to sense the presence of the Lord in a more real way. I began to encounter God deeply every day. I would go on walks with Jesus, where the Holy Spirit would reveal himself to me through the Bible. That internal transformation was intense as God was healing me from fear of abandonment, my compulsion to feel the need to please others, along with self-destructive thoughts and feelings that I have been living with for so long. I started going to a lot of prayer and worship events, filling my life with new friendships that I found at church. Thankfully, a few of the older girls took it upon themselves to help me grow spiritually. 
Those women, along with spending time with God alone, helped me get out of some of the emotional and mental hangups that I was still trapped in, and it helped me find freedom. God had me serve in ways I couldn't even imagine, and even overseas. It didn't matter where or what I did, I felt good doing what I was made to do and constantly being aware of God's love for me. God had me eventually plant roots in Southern Virginia where I met some incredible friends to do life with. I did growth track and thought the process was insane. I decided to jump in by serving on the prayer team and also the worship team. And God used the discipleship process at Vineyard to break me out of many bad habits in my life. I've learned patience living with my roommates, boundaries, covenant friendship, and how to endure countless amounts of trials. I feel like coming to Vineyard answered a really big longing in my heart for family. I had a solid spiritual family when I lived in Raleigh when I first began following Christ, and it was wonderful. And while I earnestly was seeking God's guidance, parts of me felt like a nomad wandering from community to community until God placed me at Vineyard. I believe that God really did answer a dream deep down in my heart by giving me a spiritual family where I could be myself while experiencing genuine love and acceptance. I would love to close with one of my favorite Bible verses from the Song of Songs that declares, I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. Thanks for allowing me to share my story with you. What a great story. You know, it's all about opening your mind to God's power, that he exists, that he has power, and that he wants to help you. It's also about opening your heart to God's grace, that he forgives you and he wants to give you a fresh start. But lastly, and I want to share this and close with this last point, is open your life to God's love. You've probably heard that before, that God loves you. But hearing it and just letting it stay up in your mind and not letting it permeate into your life is what makes all the difference. It's, what, it's to recognize. And that's why you receive it. God, I want your love. I want to recognize all how much you love me. The Bible says, by using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and the root of your life. That's my prayer for you, is that you receive God's love and watch how that changes your perspective, how it becomes the root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover the astonishing love of Christ, how deeply intimate and far-reaching his love is, how enduring, how inclusive his love is, endless love beyond measure that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you. That's what God wants. His extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. It almost sounds too good to be true. I certainly can't do it. I'm just a person like you. I heard this promise several years ago. And I trusted and stepped forward and said, what do I need to do? I said, literally asked that. My brother was talking to me. He had just received Christ a month earlier. He didn't really, he didn't know anything in the Bible, but he knew enough to say, if you do what I do, watch what God will do. And it began with a prayer. And I'll tell you, that very moment, I started, just like Natasha, that very moment, I could sense God's presence doing something in my life. I could sense his power. His grace at work and his love, unconditional love. Last verse, we throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his doors to you. What does it mean to throw open our doors to God? It means being open in your mind to God's power. 
It means opening up your heart, trusting that God's grace is enough. Nothing we can do will earn it, deserve it, any of that. And then also to open up our lives to God's love. That's what Easter is about. Easter is not about choirs and programming and great kids programs. Gl we're glad to do it. But that's not what it's about. If without Christ's love, his grace, his power, this is just one big event. What, what draws us together and what changes our homes, our relationships, changes how we interact with people, changes our perspective on life, changes the way we start to dream again. All of those are happen when we have an encounter with the living God. That's what Easter is about. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Just bow your head, close your eyes if you would. This is a time for you, for you to connect with your creator. I want to pray over you this Easter, if, you, if that's okay. And then I'm going to invite you to pray also. If you're online, pray with me in the auditorium. Just Would you say, God, I want to open my mind today. I want to trust that you exist, but not just that you exist, but you have power. Power to change me. Power to change my circumstances. And that you want to help me. Would you say, God, give me the faith to start to believe that, to step in that direction. Would you say, God, I want to open my heart to your grace. Regardless of all of the things I do or will do, you have grace for me. That you give me a second chance, a third chance, a fourth, as many it's unlimited. It's unlimited. And then say, God, I want to open my life to your love. Some of you, God has been at work well before today. Today is just your moment to say, God, I want to come home. I want to, I want to be friends with you. Thank you that you're not mad at me, that you forgive me, but I want to do my part and I'm going to encourage you to pray a prayer with me. This isn't about joining my church, this church, or any church. This is about you getting right with God, saying, Easter 2022. I'm coming home. I'm getting right with you, God. And I want to invite you to pray with me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward. And, but what I would like you to do is let God know that you're serious. I think there's something powerful. Every time Jesus called somebody out and said, hey, I want you to follow me, he always had them do something physical to kind of initiate. To, it, was a, it was showing a level of commitment. And God honors commitments like that. And so I'm gonna ask you, if you would, just with every head bowed and your eyes closed, I'm gonna ask you to just let God know and say, to pray to receive Christ into my life right now, this Easter, by just slipping your hand up, just so I can see it. Thank you. Bless you. There's hands all over. I'm going to just give you a few more minutes, There's a few more seconds. There's a few more of you. There you go in the back. I see it. Yeah. Okay. Put your hand down. Pray this prayer with me. 
You can just pray it in your mind or whisper, however you want to just communicate to God. It's not the words, it's the intent. Here's what I want you to pray. Say, dear God, I would like a fresh start in my life. I don't want to stay the same. There are things in my life I know need changing. As much as I know how, I want to open up my mind to your power and my heart to your grace. You say, Lord, thank you for loving me and forgiving me. I don't understand it all, but I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for my sins. Help me to understand that more. Jesus Christ, I want to open my life to your love. Pray this, say, in your grace, in your power, I want to get to know you. I invite you to be the manager of my life. And from this day forward, I give you permission to start making the changes that you want. I want to learn to trust you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. All right, well, would you congratulate those who prayed that prayer? Best Easter ever. Best Easter ever. When you put your faith in Christ, when you up the ante, when you say, I want to do it the way God had planned for me to do it all along. Listen, you have a next step. All of us have next steps. We're never done in our spiritual journey until we're done, until we're in heaven. And, and your next step, if you prayed to receive Christ, is to let us know about your spiritual journey. We have something here called Growth Track that we do and we would love to have you be part of that we'd love to let you know more about that uh the way that you can communicate to us is the seat in front of you there's in the back of the seat in front of you is a qr code and you can there's also a connect card it's kind of the old-fashioned way right we have you know two different types of people right people that go i like pen and paper and others that uh are allergic to pen and paper it's digital only and so we provide both. We'd love to hear about your journey, about what God's doing in your life. And we'd love to invite you to take your next step with us and begin by coming next week to that incredible series we're going to do on uh, getting relational sanity back in our lives. There's a way that you can give and participate if you want. Uh, texting online. We'd love to have you uh, be part of that if that's, uh, if, if that's your journey with us. Would you stand with me? I want to go ahead and transition as we transition with prayer into a final song before we get dismissed let's pray father thank you for the work of christ that you're doing all the people that come here preparing the way for you to do something amazing lord we invite your power your grace and your love to change us in ways that we could never imagine help us to walk in you and we pray this in jesus name amen let's sing together